that the fullness of life we live on the earth right now is entirely true and just. How many of you feel like the world is just and true? Yeah. If you're raising your hand, you haven't lived long enough. <laughs> it's not, is it? In fact, it's painful and sometimes bitter. And our lives are filled with troubles. There's joys, sure, lots of them. But the pains come. You can do everything right. And don't worry, I'm not worried that you have. But you could do everything right. And still, trouble will find you. You can have a perfect diet. Yeah, statistics will be on your side. But you can still be cut down with cancer. You can be a careful driver. Obey all the rules of the road. But somebody else might not. You can be careful just walking around and with all these thunderstorms in Florida, who knows, right? A lot of lightning down here. Our lives are filled with a lot of suffering, aren't they? And so it sometimes shocks me when I read these words. Oh, they work really well for me at times when things are going very well. But when I'm actually suffering, sometimes these words shock me. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. Okay. That makes sense here. Does it make sense here? Because sometimes when I think about how much I'm suffering, I'm thinking, how in the world could there be glory to surpass this? But we've got to get that message to our hearts today. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. We have brought a great curse upon God's creation by the choices that were made before us and by the choices we continue to make today. And all the rest of God's created reality around us eagerly waits to see us finally be revealed as what God intended us to be at the beginning. He set us at the head of this created order. And the entire creation suffers because of us. Verse 20, For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. 
How many of you have learned the lesson of bondage and decay? When I was a young man, I would have loved to run and leap from this platform. That would have looked fun to me. Right now, it looks like at least a trip to urgent care, <laughs> if not, in fact, admission at least overnight. Subject to decay. Verse 22, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. What the text says is, yes, we have the first fruits of the promise of God through the Holy Spirit in our lives. But we and this creation continues to groan until the final adoption and redemption of our bodies when the kingdom of God comes in its fullness. And let me just say, there's been a lot of groaning in this community in the last week. If you do not know, one of the members of our community a father of a beautiful family and also an important leader within an organization that a lot of you are involved with. Went to church last Sabbath with his family just like he does every week. Even sent an email. They were over at Spring Meadows last week because the, the children's choir, with the, the cantable from the academy was singing there, and they were there together as a family, and Rob Fulbright noticed in the program something he thought would be relevant to our fundraising team. You know, we have a building project. He saw it there, and he thought of the team, and he emailed us and said, hey, I saw this. Let's talk about it Wednesday night. That was our meeting. Left church with his family, went home with his family. Spent Sunday with the family, had special time. The Lord leads and is merciful even in times of trial. Had special time that morning with each of his children. Got a little work done. Made a little bite to eat for the family. Sent mom and one of his daughters off to a Bible study at the neighbor's house. Took the other three girls and went out for a run. Got almost all the way around the neighborhood, about a quarter mile from home, where he suffered some sort of cardiac event. Fell to the ground and never came back. A family that walked out of church together last Sabbath, just like so many of you will today. And we've been groaning 
Yes, we have the first fruits of the promise, but the fullness has not come, has it? Verse 26, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Have you known that experience? You ever know that moment when you say, I don't know what to say? Groan in your spirit, and God will know. The Spirit will take those things. Verse 27, And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. When you don't know what to say, groan to the Lord. And the Spirit will take your groaning directly to the throne of God. And all will be done in accordance with the will of God. And that's hard. That line right there is hard. Because how can we accept what comes to us as fitting within the will of God? Well, I don't know that answer. But I do know a place that illustrates what's going on. We read Revelation 19 at the beginning here, and we talked about how they said, Hallelujah, because just and true are your judgments. But now I want to take you back in the book of Revelation to chapter 6, verse 9, and we find these words. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, how long? In Revelation 19, they call out in a loud voice, hallelujah. But in Revelation 6, the call is, how long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the full number of their fellow servants, their brothers and sisters, were killed just as they had been. We're not living in Revelation 19 yet, are we? We're still back here in Revelation 6. We're still back here in the wait a little longer until the full number is complete. The promise is God will avenge and save. But how's He going to do it? Romans 8 verse 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? See, that doesn't always make sense to us, right? How can God be for us and we're having these experiences? Okay, well, here's verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, 
how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Now I want you to notice specifically what's being said here and read your mind of what's not being said here. It doesn't say No trouble, no hardship, no persecution, no famine, no nakedness, no danger, no sword will ever come against those who are loved by Christ. I'm not reading it right when I say that, am I? In fact, what this says, what this guarantees you, is that there will be trouble. There will be hardship, there will be persecution, there will be famine, there will be nakedness, there will be danger, there will be a sword, but none of it can separate you from the love of Christ. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Now in all these things, which things? Trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. Those are these things. No, in all these things, we are what? More than conquerors through Him who loved us. What this promises is we're going to have weeks like this. But they cannot separate us from the love of God. And in Him we are more than conquerors. Verse 38, For I am convinced, and I agree with Paul, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. We're going to have weeks like this because we're still over here in Revelation 6. And the trials and the heartaches go on. We're not living in justice and truth time yet. We're living in groaning creation time. And we, like the creation, eagerly await the revolution to come. The revealing of the sons of God. But you see, when we get to Revelation 19, it's all come to an end. And judgment has come. This is why the great multitude shouts, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. 
for true and just are his judgments. And we talked at the beginning about that invitation to that great wedding banquet. It is in this life of trial and pain and sorrow. It is in the midst of this life that the Spirit brings to us the invitation to the banquet with the Son of God. He comes to us in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the sorrow, and says, I want to offer this invitation to come to the marriage banquet of the Son of God. Revelation 12, verse 11. It says, They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. How is it that the invitation comes? How is it that we accept the invitation? By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. Now, let me ask you, how do you get a testimony? Do you get a testimony in your life on a day when it's going really good, in your home and you're relaxed and it's, it's a happy day, you're well fed, you're enjoying yourself, and you think, you know, I'm going to come up with a testimony. That's going to be a good one. That's going to have stuff I overcame even though I never did. It's going to talk about hardships even though my life's been nothing but good. That's not a testimony, is it? There's only one way to get a testimony. And that's when you go through trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or whatever it is for you. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. See, without Jesus, without the blood of the Lamb, then death is it. That's all. But with the blood of the Lamb, we don't have to fear death. Revelation chapter 5. Then I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll and look inside. You see, this is our condition without Jesus. All hope of a better future is sealed up in a scroll that we can't even get our hands on, much less open. I wept and wept, verse 4, because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. 
See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. This is our Lord Jesus. The one who knows our sorrows. The one who came and suffered as we have. The one who has known death for us, that in Him we might know eternal life. The Scripture tells us that all who have the Son have life. And so yesterday, as we gathered to remember Rob Fulbright's life, many of you were there, and you heard some amazing memories and amazing things were said. But there weren't any of us in ourselves that had the power to do anything about the situation as it stood. If we could have, we would have. But we don't have that. And so we did all we can do. We told stories and we tried to encourage each other. And we made our way over to the memorial gardens next door. And because that's all we can do, we put Rob there. To us, seeming dead. But he who has the Son has life. And in the eyes of God, it's but a sleep, but a rest. Verse 7, He went and took the scroll from the right hand of Him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And I'm going to need you to help me out here in this next part. Because something important happened. Each one of them had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And I want you to speak these words with me. And they sang a new song, saying together, You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals, because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, 
and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I sing. We go back to where we started. 
Then the angel said to me, Write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. Your invitation to the wedding supper of the Lamb has been delivered to you by the Spirit of God, sealed with the blood of Jesus. Revelation 22, verse 17 The Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come, let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. I want you to accept your invitation today to the wedding supper of the Lamb. There is a place reserved for you at the table. And it will never be the same until you're home. The Lord Jesus is looking for you. And He wants you at His table. So as you hear the words to this song that will be sung, as the Spirit of the Lord moves on your heart, if you would like to accept that invitation today, and you feel God saying to you, make it in a way that sticks, then I want you to come to the front as the Spirit moves on your heart, and we listen to these words.
There's nothing we can do to keep everybody at our table. We've been to fancy banquets and, and all kinds of things, but it's not in our strength, Lord. And for us to forever be together, we need your invitation to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Is there a place set for us your word tells us you have invited us. We hear your call today, your spirit calling on our hearts. 
Look upon us, Lord, in every way we know how. We're saying, yes, I want to come to the banquet. I want to be there. Help me, Lord. Help me to choose to come when you call. Now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that sleep. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ, all shall be made alive. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.